Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is coming, and he is already in the world now. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, welcome to church this evening. Uh, my name's Tim. Uh, I'm on staff here at Church by the Bridge, and uh, I have the privilege of opening up God's Word and uh, letting it bear its, uh, what its wisdom has on our lives this evening. But before we get stuck into God's Word, uh, please pray with me as we ask for God's help to understand what he has written. Heavenly Father, we pray now as we come to look at your Word John's letter, we pray that uh, your spirit would come upon us, that uh, you would illuminate uh, your word, that you would uh, drive it deep into our hearts, that we would be encouraged and comforted, uh, that we would be changed and renewed, and that we would do all these things for your glory, through your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't think it would take much for me to convince you guys that you're a discerning bunch of people. Uh, We're discerning, aren't we, about uh, where we live and probably more appropriately who we live with. Uh, We're discerning about where we work. Uh, We're discerning about what clothes we buy and the time of day in which we wear them. Uh, We're discerning also about the foods we eat, what we put into our body. But I think knowing most of you, uh, the thing that we're most discerning about, it's probably the most important thing that we're discerning about, is what coffee we drink, and where we drink it from. Yes. But my question to you, my question to you, is are we as discerning about the people that we listen to? Are we as discerning about the people who speak into our lives? Uh, In our modern day, uh, we have many online preachers with many online books. We have many Christian blogs out there of people speaking into our lives. You can jump online and you can read, you can hear, you can understand all these different voices. So my question today is, are we as discerning about who speaks into our lives? Now, it's important that we come to John's passage tonight because he addresses this exact issue. He wants us to be discerning about the people that we listen to. John, he's just finished telling uh, the people who he's writing to, he's just finished telling them that uh, they are to continue to remain in Jesus. He's asked them, remain in Jesus. And he's also said, continue to love each other. And if you look at uh, verse 23 of chapter 3, just at the top of your page, he says that um, God has given the people his spirit, to enable them to do this. 
And then as we move into chapter 4, John gets very practical uh, with his readers. He gets very practical with you and me. He gives us some tips and he gives us some tests so that we can be people of discernment. So if you look with me at verse 1, you'll see one of John's first tips. It's actually he gives two commands in verse 1. And this is my first point, is that as people of God, we are to test before we trust. Let's have a look at John's first command in verse 1. Uh, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. That's his first command. Do not believe every spirit. Uh, the spirit that John's referring to here is a spirit, uh, is a person uh, who claims to speak from God. He claims to have the spirit of God and speak from God. And, and John's first command, it's quite simple. It's don't be gullible. Don't be naive. Don't blindly believe everybody who stands up and claims to speak from the spirit of God. That's John's first command. But then he moves on quite quickly to tell us what we should do. He said, don't do this. He says, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God. John is simply saying in these two commands, he's saying, test before you, tr- before you trust. And then he goes on in the last part of that verse. He makes it quite clear why we're to do this. He says, because many false spirits have gone out into the world. Now, um, as you guys will remember from earlier on in John's Gospel, uh, he had said uh, in chapter 2, I think verse 19, that there had been many false spirits that had gone out, many false prophets that had gone out uh, speaking falsely about Jesus from John's church. And so this is why he writes to the many churches scattered around his area. This is why he says to test the preacher, to test the teacher before you trust them. Now, um, when, I was, uh, when I was a new Christian, when I was a new Christian, I, uh, I was really sort of keen and excited and enthused to want to learn as much as I could about Jesus. And so one of the things I was doing was I was listening to a lot of online preachers. And uh, one of my friends, he came up to me and he said, oh, Tim, you've really got to listen to this new preacher. His name's Tim Keller. And I'm like, oh, okay, sounds good. Uh, so I went on to iTunes and I just typed in Tim Keller, preacher, sermon. And uh, up came all these sermons and it under the title of Christianity. And I started listening to this guy. And he had an American accent and that was all cool. But as I was listening to him, I was like, huh, he's saying some strange things. He's saying some things that I actually haven't ever heard in the Bible before. Uh, he's saying some strange things about how I'm saved. Uh, he's actually stra- saying some strange things about Jesus. And so I was sort of scratching my head because my friend who had told me to listen to Tim Keller was like someone that I really trusted. And so I started to do a bit of research. And what I actually found out was there were two Tim Kellers. <laughs> there were two Tim Kellers. Um, the one I was listening to was not a good Tim Keller. (laughs) Uh, The other one actually went by the name of Timothy Keller. And so as I typed in Timothy Keller into the iTunes, I got the one that my friend was referring to. Uh, He's the preacher uh, from New York. 
Um, the one I was listening to was a, a little-time preacher down in South, uh, Southern America somewhere doing some crazy stuff. Um, so it was, it was an eye-opener for me as, as a young Christian. It was that sort of light bulb moment. Hold on a second. There are some people out there who are deceptive. They're, they're wanting to deceive. They're wanting to, to mislead. And, and this is why John writes to us. This is why John writes to us and says, don't be gullible. Uh, don't be naive. Test everybody before you put your trust in them. Well, thankfully for us, uh, John, in this passage, he gives us two tests. He gives us two tests. This is my second point. Uh, Two tests for discernment. Now, you guys probably spotted the two tests as we read through the passage. Um, But the first test is found in verse 2. And I've summarized this first test simply for us. Uh, is that God's Spirit confesses that Jesus is the God-man who saves. So the first test is God's Spirit confesses that Jesus is the God-man who saves. Let's check out verse 2. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. Now, during the last couple of weeks, as I was thinking about this passage, it it really sort of struck me, um, what does it mean for God's Spirit, or for for Jesus to come in the flesh? What, what What does that mean? How is that the test that we should use to determine the Spirit? And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, it has to mean more than just simply believing that Jesus was divine. Uh, Because Mark and also James recall that demons and evil spirits, they they believe that Jesus was divine. They they looked at him, they spoke to him and addressed him as divine, and and they shuddered at Jesus' divinity. So John must be saying something a little bit more than simply that Jesus came in flesh. That is something that he is saying. But there's something more I think he's saying here. Now he's writing to Christians and... I think the answer is found in the word Christ. He says that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Now, um, Christ, I used to think Christ was uh, Jesus' last name, but uh, it's not. Uh, It's actually a title uh, used for Jesus, similar to the title that you would use for uh, Julius Caesar. It has that same sort of title. And, And Christ... Uh, is another word for the chosen one, the Messiah, or the promised saviour that Israel had been waiting for. And I think what John is doing in this statement, in this test, is he's making the radical claim that Jesus is God who's come in the flesh as the Christ, as the saviour. So according to John, his, his test is you know you're listening to someone speaking from the Spirit of God when they unashamedly declare that Jesus Christ came in the flesh to save the world. And John goes on to say, this is exactly what the false teachers of his day were denying. If you look with me at verse 3, he says, but every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. And then he goes on to call them the Antichrist or 
the anti-saviors. They're against God's salvation. So the test is simple. God's Spirit confesses that Jesus Christ is the God-man who saves. Now, I had a a friend uh, who was a a new Christian, uh, very excited again to learn more about Jesus. And um, another friend of hers had said, oh, you need to check out this author. And so one night after church, she really excitedly walked up to the minister and said, look, I'm keen to check out this author. Have you got any of his books on your bookshelf? And a shocked sort of look came across the minister's face. And he sort of looked, looked at her and he said, oh, um, how about we sit down? Um, that, that author that you, you said, we actually purposefully don't have any of his books here because we don't believe that he properly represents Jesus as the Christ. Uh, we don't believe that he, he properly portrays Jesus as the God who came in the flesh to save sinners. However, I have a good book for you. Um, it's from an author called John Piper, and it's called Desiring God. How about you read this instead? And it was through reading that book that this person's life uh, was transformed. Friends, there are people out there who claim to be Christians, who claim to be Christian preachers, teachers, authors, bloggers, etc. But there are people out there who claim these things, but they don't present Jesus as the God-man who saves. So for, for us here tonight, what are, we, what are we to do with this? How are we to apply this to our lives? Well, I think it's, it's qu- quite simple. I think as people, we need to exercise discernment. We need to test who we're listening to, what books we're reading, what blogs we're reading online. And I've come up with a, a couple of questions. There's only three here that will helpfully help, hopefully help you uh, to test uh, what you're reading, what you're listening to. Uh, the first question is, um, does this teacher declare that Jesus is God, come in the flesh to save me? Does this teacher declare that Jesus is God, come in the flesh to save me? The second test, or second question, uh, does this teacher talk about my sin and my need for Jesus to be my saviour? And the third question to ask is, does this teacher point to Jesus as the hero? Now, friends, if, if you're not sure, if you're a new Christian or you're, you're not sure and someone sent you a preacher to listen to and you're listening to him, you go, hmm, I'm not sure if that makes sense. Um, I encourage you, find an older, more mature Christian. Ask them what they think. Come, have a chat with Dan or, or talk to myself or, or Paul or one of the other ministry staff here at church and just run a few things by them. Seek, seek their wisdom. John is saying that we should not be gullible, friends. We should not be naive. We should be wise. We should be prudent. We should be testing before we start trusting. Well, this brings us to John's second test, the second test that he gives his readers. And that's found in in verse 6 down the bottom of our passage. And the second test is, 
Um, truly spiritual people listen to the apostles' teaching. John is essentially calling his, his, his readers to learn from those who listen. To learn from those who listen. Check out verse 6 with me. He says, um, we, and he's referring to the apostles, and I'll talk about them in a second, uh, we are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Now, John, in making this statement, is just carrying on one of the arguments of his whole letter. If you flick back a page to John chapter 1, if you flick back a page, you'll see that John has written there that he has seen, that he has heard, that he has touched Jesus in the flesh. This is what Jesus, this is what John has been arguing through his whole letter, that he has seen Jesus in the flesh. And so when John makes this statement, he's sort of saying that the apostles have seen the same things. We grew up with Jesus. We ate with him. We walked with him. We talked with him. Jesus commissioned us to go out into the world and tell people about Jesus. Um, the apostles, in one sense, they're like the leading academics on Jesus. Or in another sense, uh, they are the star witnesses in a legal case if Jesus was in the dock. Or in another way of looking at it, they are the leading source for the newspaper scoop. If you wanted to know about Jesus, you would go to the apostles. And this is why John is saying that truly spiritual people, that's those inspired by the Spirit of God, they listen to the apostles' teaching. They listen to the ones who walked and talked and ate and lived and were commissioned by Jesus. But today, we have a bit of a problem with this statement. We, we have a problem with what John is saying here because the apostles, they, they lived ages ago, 2,000 years ago. They're no, they're no longer around with us today. How, how can we listen to them? How can we, we hear from them? Well, it's, it's quite simple. It's, it's how we're doing it tonight. What John has said is recorded here for us in the New Testament, in his letters. The same for all the other apostles who have written about Jesus. We have what they say here in our Bibles. So in one sense, uh, we could reword what John says in this test. Uh, we can rework it to say something like this. Uh, truly spiritual people listen to the apostles' teaching found in the Bible. Truly spiritual people listen to the apostles' teaching found in the Bible. Now, unsurprisingly, John then goes on to say, like he did in the first test, that those deceptive spirits or those false spirits, they reject the apostles' teaching and they reject what's found in the Bible. Have a look at the second part of verse 6. Uh, anyone who is not from God doesn't listen to us. Uh, and then John has just explained in the verse above why these false teachers don't listen to the Bible. He says uh, they don't listen because they've sold out to the world. Check out verse 5 with me, where John says, they, that's the false teachers, 
are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. Now, um, I didn't really know how John was using the word, uh, the world, uh, so I had to look it up. And he's not referring to the globe or the good things about creation or, or those sort of things. He, he uses the world in, in a negative sense. He uses it to uh, capture in one word uh, those people who are opposed to Jesus or, or those people who are opposed to the gospel. That's uh, what John is meaning by when he uses the word the world. He's essentially saying they just speak worldly wisdom. They don't speak God-inspired wisdom. And as I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking um, these sort of... Um, Christian or these these false teachers they sort of started off in John's church and they reminded me of um, I don't know if you guys are into music but they reminded me of that band that brings out the really good album the first time and they just they played music just because they loved music but then they started to sell out to the world they started to sell out to mainstream pop they loved the money and the fame too much And the sad thing that happens when they sell out is their music all sort of blurs into one. You can't really tell the difference between the music. You listen to the radio, it all sounds the same, has the same beats. You don't hear anything unique. And this is like the false teachers. They've sold out to the approval of the world. They've sold out to the world's recognition. And what they're saying is not unique. It's just repeating what the world says. Uh, It's repeating what the world says. And as John says, the world cheers because these teachers are simply validating the way that the world lives. Uh, I was, um, I don't have Foxtel myself, but I was staying with a mate of mine and and he had Foxtel. And uh, I don't want to rag on Foxtel because I know Leah's here and she works for Foxtel. Um, but I was, I was looking at the, uh, I, was, I was watching the Australian Christian channel and uh, I'd only flicked on for a little bit and there was this guy uh, preaching. He was preaching to thousands of people, thousands of people in a massive auditorium. He had amazingly white teeth and a bad tan and some slick back hair and a suit and he was holding the Bible up like this and he was doing that and talking like this. And as I was listening to him, as he was walking around holding the Bible, I was like, he's actually not referring to the Bible at all. He's not even quoting the Bible. He's just holding it open. I don't even think he knows where it's open. It could have been sort of anywhere. And I was sort of scratching my head. I I hadn't been a Christian for that long, but I knew one thing, that God speaks through the Bible. And... As I was listening to him, as he was talking, I was sort of like, I've heard that before somewhere else. I, you know, I, I've heard that before. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard Oprah or Dr. Phil say the similar sort of same pop psychology last week. I mean, this is what I was hearing. And there were thousands of people there cheering, laughing, celebrating. This guy, what he was doing was simply repackaging what the world taught and putting it in Christian clothing. That's essentially what he was doing. 
And it was sad to watch. I sort of got sucked in because he was a very engaging speaker. But as you thought about it, as you tested what he was saying, you could see that it didn't match up. So friends, how does this apply to us? Well, I want to warn us, like John warned his readers. Let's be people who learn from those who listen to the Bible. Let's be people who learn from those who listen to the Bible. Again, I've come up with um, three, everything seems to work in threes in sermons. Uh, I've come up with three helpful, helpful questions that you guys can ask when you come across a new teacher, a new blogger, a new preacher, a new book. Ask ask these questions. Um, The first one is, uh, do they just quote random verses? Do they flick all over the Bible quoting like little tiny half sentences of verses? Or, or do they spend time working through a, a chunk of the Bible and just explaining the Bible in its context? Or the second question, um, can you imagine Oprah saying it? If you can imagine Oprah saying it, maybe question it. Just a little bit. It doesn't mean that everything that they say is going to be bad and everything that Oprah says is bad. But if it sounds so much like the world that you're struggling to figure out where it's come from, alarm bells should be just starting to ring in your head. And the third question you could probably ask is, is the mainstream media, are they popularizing this person? Are they holding them up as a great teacher, as a you know, non-fundamental or something like that? Are they praising what they are saying? Friends, John has warned us that there are dangers that exist. Elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing, seeking for people to devour. It's very strong language. They may look nice. They may have a nice smile with white teeth. They may be really kind. They may have a good tan. But they can be speaking from a deceptive spirit. Now, um, we did this passage at Bible study a little while uh, this week, and um, as we sort of got to this point, everyone sort of in my study was sort of feeling a little bit overwhelmed. They were like, oh, this is, this is like hard work. There's, there's a lot going on here. Um, I, I feel a little ill-equipped to be able to test these spirits, to be able to discern if they're actually teaching from the, from the Bible or not. It it's just seems like a lot of hard work. And friends, this is where the good news comes in. Uh, there's good news in this passage for us. There's, a, there's comfort for us. And this is my, my final point, um, is the good news is that we have help. We have help to do this. Have a look with me at the comfort that is found in verse 4. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, in this passage, there are so many amazing and wonderful things that I'd love to spend hours unpacking, but I'm just going to, for your sake, briefly touch on three things that comfort us. Uh, The first that I want to touch on is the fact that you, me, Christians, we are from God. Did you see that at the beginning? 
We are are from God. We're, We're his little children. God is like a loving father to us. He's a loving father who cares for us, who protects us, who doesn't want to see us taken away by deceptive and false teaching. He will be there to protect us. The second thing for our comfort is that it's, the passage says that, that we have conquered them. We have conquered them. It's, it's in the present. It's, it's already happened. We have already conquered these false teachers, these false spirits. And we already have the victory. We already have the victory. But by trusting in Jesus, we have already won. Through Jesus, we have already defeated these false spirits. And thirdly, we have power. You, me, we have power because... The last part of the verse. The one who is in you, that's the Holy Spirit. The one who is in you is greater than the Antichrist, the one who is in the world. God's Spirit within you and me gives us power to discern true spirits from false spirits. God's Spirit in you and me inspires us to read God's Word in the Bible. And it directs us towards the true spirits. And God's spirit inside you and me, it's stronger than the spirit that is in the world. Friends, let's be comforted by that. When you're feeling under attack, when you're feeling like you might be being deceived, you have inside you a power that is, that is stronger than the power of this world. And the good news about this is, God, he doesn't leave us by ourselves. He doesn't leave us just to fight our own battles. He's there fighting with us. Actually, he's the one who stepped in to fight for us. And he's the one who gives us his spirit to fight within us. It is God's spirit at work in you and me that enables us to continue to look to Jesus, to continue to look to Jesus, the God-man, for our salvation. And it is God's Spirit at work in you and me that helps us keep, to keep on learning from the apostles and to keep on learning from their teaching recorded in the Bible. Well, friends, it's true, isn't it? We're, we're discerning about many things. We're discerning about many things. And it's good to be discerning. But are we discerning about who we listen to? Are we discerning about who we read? Are we discerning about which blogs we look at? Let's be people who test before we trust and who learn from those who listen to God's word. Amen. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the reminder that we need to be people who test what is said before we put our faith in it, before we trust it. We thank you that you have given us your word to teach us and to grow us. Lord, we pray now that we would not be naive, we would not be deceived, 
but we'll continue to learn from your word and we'll do these things for your glory. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.